This is Being Better, the podcast about the science behind mindsets and practices that make us happier, wiser, and healthier. My name is Julia Spohr, and I am your host. Join us as each week we break down scientific research and bring you true stories of people from all walks of life to help you make better decisions that will shape your tomorrow. How are you? How is life? How is this amazing existence on this considerably small little piece of rock in this ever-expanding universe that we can now see with our eyes thanks to the James Webb Telescope? I'm going to be nerding out just a tiny little bit in this introduction because I don't know if you've seen, but there are first, I think, four pictures that the James Webb Telescope has taken off our closest surroundings in this universe and oh my god they just change your perspective they make you feel so insignificant in such a good way in a way that you remember that we are so tiny and our problems are really created by ourselves and the universe just wants to expand it doesn't really consider your dreams, your fears, death or birth, it just is and we are here for such a short period of time and I don't know, it just makes me want to make the most of it because the universe is going to be there but I will cease one day and I just want to experience all of its marvels while I'm here. So on that note, how exciting it is that we can now connect via this virtual space and I can talk to you right now and kind of travel in time because you are listening to me in the future so ah everything is so crazy in a very good way well anyway now that I have said that and exposed my nerd self to everyone oh now I can move on to actually even more nerding out because this episode is going to be a breakdown of intelligence and of being stupid and how we actually even though you think that you know we can send out these telescopes into the universe take pictures with perfect resolution and you think that we would know what is happening inside our own heads right that we would know enough about ourselves before we explore what is out there but actually it's not really the case and we know very little and I would argue that the reason why it's kind of hard for us to develop artificial intelligence and why we sometimes struggle with what is really being smart and who's the smartest person um, is that we really don't know what intelligence is so I really want to talk about it because even though I've always loved learning and was considered quote-unquote smart and a good student I sometimes was insecure about my intelligence and I thought that there are people who can easily grasp complex concepts such as calculus or thermodynamics or the history of the Byzantine Empire or those 
wooden puzzles that you get as a child and and I sometimes don't get those and when I was little I thought about intelligence as I thought about many other topics back then in a very black or white dualist way that you are either smart or you are not and of course I thought that if you don't fall into the former category you are not a valuable person and your personal success will be unlikely but throughout recent years as I've been delving into the world of psychology and neuroscience I found that this approach is extremely oversimplified and that we actually know very little about how to even define intelligence and let alone measure it in a representative way and in this episode I want to share with you some science behind what intelligence is and what it isn't as well as why IQ tests are very poor predictions of your academic and personal success. So let's start with a bit of history and talk about why we have developed this very dualist either or approach to intelligence. And so when it comes to IQ, for example, and the history of that. In 1905, there were French psychologists Alfred Binet and Theodore Simon, and they designed a test for children who were struggling in school in France. Their method, designed to determine which children required individualized attention, formed the basis of the IQ test. So beginning in the late 19th century, researchers thought that cognitive abilities like verbal reasoning, working memory and visual spatial skills reflected an underlying general intelligence or the G factor. So Simone and Binet designed a range of tests to measure each of those abilities and combine the results into a single score. The questions were adjusted to each age group and a child's score reflected how they performed relative to others their age. Dividing someone's score by their age and multiplying the results by 100 gave you the intelligence quotient or the IQ. So, An intelligence quotient is a measure of what psychologists call fluid and crystallized intelligence. Or to put it simply, an IQ test measures your reasoning and problem-solving abilities. But you have to understand that there are different kinds of IQ tests, um, but most of them analyze your visual, mathematical and language abilities, as well as your memory, information, processing speed. So speed is a big factor here. So a licensed psychologist would usually administer a series of subtests and then the results are combined into your one final score, that IQ score. But what your specific numerical score means depends on the test you take actually. And IQ is a measure of how well you do on a test compared with other people your age, not compared to the total population and so scores are generally shown on a bell curve and the average score is around a hundred and people to the far left or far right of the curve are the outliers but there are many reasons why the iq test and i think the iq test represents the way a lot of people think about intelligence so i think that is also similar to all the reasons why that approach is wrong and there are many flaws in thinking about intelligence and the oversimplification that IQ testing is um, is a good example of that and I want to talk about it and first of all I need to talk about the fact that we don't even know what intelligence is and what factors contribute to the making of a quote-unquote genius because you know Simone and Binet thought that the skills they're 
test assessed would reflect general intelligence, but both then and now, there's no single agreed upon definition of that intelligence. I think when we try to evaluate these opinions, all of us are being misled by a stumbling block because we're talking about intelligence as if it's a single thing that can be replicated artificially when really it's multiple different things, lots of which we don't really understand. For example, let's talk about one big misconception, which is that the smartest people in the world are those with the highest IQ. And that's not really the case because a lot of successful people in history, they did not have high IQs. But also there were a lot of great historical figures that actually had very high IQs. However, like thinking about artificial intelligence, for example, bumping a computer's power up to, you know, 170 IQ hasn't historically made a superhuman. So is it right to assume that the supercomputing AI will necessarily be superhuman? Well, I personally don't think so because it is not a great representation. And also another question that I think we need to ask ourselves is how much our intelligence resides in our brain. Because a lot of people assume, for example, that humans are smarter than other animals because we have bigger brains or we have more neural connections in our brains. But then if that's the case, what about elephants whose brains are much larger or clear whales who have about 43 billion neurons, which is almost double what we have. And I'm not saying that those animals are dumber than humans but if you are saying that big brains equals intelligence and this is why humans are smarter because we have um, higher IQs and bigger brains than animals then you are almost only half as intelligent as a killer whale and this is where we come back to the IQ test the fact that intelligence is so hard to define and everyone has a different take on what it is leaves the door open for people to use the test in service of their own preconceived assumptions about intelligence. Because like when it comes to history, what started as a way to identify those who need academic help quickly became used to sort people in other ways, often in service of deeply flawed ideologies. In history, one of the first large-scale implementations occurred in the U.S. during the World War I, when the military used an IQ test to sort recruits and screen them for officer training. And at the time, many people believed in the idea that there are desirable and undesirable genetic traits, i.e., racism and that these traits should be controlled in humans through selective breeding and so yeah you know there are many problems with this line of thinking with the fact that there are some like genetic traits that are more desirable and so people are better and among them is the idea that intelligence was not only fixed and inherited but also linked to a person's race. So under the influence of eugenics, so that idea of those traits, scientists used the results of military initiative to make racist claims that certain racial groups were intellectually superior to others. And without taking into account that many of recruits tested were new immigrants to the US who lacked former education or English language exposure, and yeah, and they created this erroneous intelligence hierarchy of ethnic groups. And this is just one of the reasons why this IQ test is so flawed. Because if we don't have the same definition, everyone can interpret it in their own way that will benefit a very specific group of people. Another flaw is that there are many types of 
intelligence. The human intelligence is not just a single entity which could be measured in terms of a mathematical number or be graded according to a score. And that's why these IQ scores have been long criticized as poor indicators of an individual's all-round intelligence as well as their inability to predict how good a person will be in a particular profession. Howard Gardner at the Harvard Graduate School of Education as uh, one of the many scientists that has been fighting this oversimplification, um, he has been arguing that this cognitive capacity is best understood in terms of multiple intelligences such as mathematical, verbal, spatial, physiological, naturalistic, self-reflective, social, emotional, and musical. So there are so many different factors that create what you would want to call a smart and intelligent person. And because of that, it's almost impossible to measure it because how can you measure in a one test all of those different dimensions because some of those intelligences, such as how empathetic you are, or how self-reflective or naturalistic you are, it's just very hard to measure it, because sometimes those traits come up only when you know you're not being observed, and sometimes they just, you know, come up um, unexpectedly, and they're just very hard to measure. And another flaw with IQ tests, but also like general tests, is that they're not great representations of a person's decision-making abilities because they are great at evaluating how fast can you you know solve a puzzle or write an algorithm or something however the IQ tests fall down when it comes to measuring these abilities crucial to making good judgments in real life situations that's because they are unable to assess things such as personal ability to critically weigh up information or whether an individual can override the intuitive cognitive biases that can lead us astray. This is the kind of rational thinking we are compelled to do every day, whether deciding which foods to eat, where to invest money, or how to deal with a difficult person in our life or at work. We need to be good at rational thinking to navigate our way around an increasingly complex world. And yet, these tests do not effectively tap into it because IQ tests measure an important domain of cognitive functioning but they are incomplete, they fall short of the full range of skills that would come under the rubric of quote-unquote good thinking. And I would also say that problems that we need to solve, whether more mathematical or life problems, don't always have a singular solvement, but actually can have multiple. And I would also say that these tests don't really account for improvisation and how important that is and in life and in thinking how well you can do in a stressful situation when you don't have access to I don't know your internet or calculator or food or water is a very extreme scenario but I would say that improvisation also plays plays such a huge factor and also when it comes to tests and I think so many of us evaluate how smart we are based on how we did in school but we have to remember that tests only measure a very specific type of intelligence and it makes so that if you are a bad test taker, so I don't know, you have anxiety or some sort of mental block or learning disability, then you simply won't perform 
well on it. Because an IQ test measures the intelligence of a person based on the result of the performance of a person on a particular day. So the person may not perform well and there could be various reasons behind it such as emotional or health conditions or even the atmosphere in the room but then on the next day can, they can retake it and have a completely different score and how do you know which score will be the true one? And also one big misconception that scientists have been fighting with is that smart people have smart children and that intelligence is heritable and actually heritability is not that great as some some people believe and environmental factors are more potent actually um, and you know there are a lot of things that can affect your IQ score over time such as poverty nutrition stress how familiar you are with um, standardized tests and there are there's research that shows that children from lower socioeconomic levels adopted into a middle class family often increase their IQ scores by around 20 points so a person who has not had the privilege of proper education will not be able to take the test the same way as an educated person does and that's not because they had a great parent and you know their parent was Einstein or anything it's just that sometimes great circumstances make for better results and it's not because of your genetics it's just simply how your environment is able to promote your growth and education and cognitive development and with that I also need to say that there's a huge amount of research that shows that your IQ may change over time and there was a study in which researchers tested 33 teenagers and their intelligence and then they did it again four years later and in that short amount of time some of their IQ scores varied by more than 20 points. And lastly, the last misconception about intelligence and about those IQ tests and actually just regular tests, I think that's pretty applicable. The biggest misconception, I think, is that they are predictors of your financial and career success. You know, several institutions used IQ tests as a tool to evaluate the capabilities of a student and how he or she is going to do later in life. However, in reality this kind of a test is not very good at indicator of vocational or socioeconomic success. Um, I guess allow me to be a bit politically incorrect in a second just to make my point because I'm just saying that IQ scores predict success is a little like saying that the color of your skin at birth predicts your future income. Like, you know, it can be technically true, but it's actually a oversimplification and kind of like a in the sense of intelligence, it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, in terms of race, not really, because there are other factors. But uh, there is a figure that I found in a research paper by Robert Hauser, which is linked in the episode description. And it shows that IQ is quite poorly correlated with profession and the error bars are quite large. And also, mean IQ scores of demanding professions such as engineer, science and medicine is actually surprisingly low because only about 115 or 120. So in other words, your personal success, your career and what kind of a career path you can choose is not defined by your IQ because a lot of the people in those very demanding professions like engineering, like science, like medicine or IT, you don't really it doesn't really require from you 
to be a very high IQ person, maybe again, because that is not a good indicator of intelligence and therefore it's not a good prediction of who you're going to be in life. So if IQ does not determine success, then what does? And I would say that it's, you know, it's about work ethic. It's about the support network that you had. It's about the education that you had access to as a child. It's your charisma. It's your community. It's how able you are to work with people. And I don't know, maybe we should count those traits in when we are measuring intelligence. So maybe this is a good way to segue into last thing that I want to talk about, which is what intelligence is and isn't and how we can stop being insecure about it. And, you know, in psychology, intelligence has been defined in many ways. But my favorite one is that it's a combination of abilities such as abstract reasoning, mental representation, problem solving, decision making, the ability to learn, emotional knowledge, creativity and adaptation to meet the demands of the environment effectively. So all of those things are so complex and so fluid in different moments of your life that I cannot tell you that I don't think we can ever measure it in a numerical way. And maybe, therefore, we shouldn't try and we shouldn't relate. And therefore, we shouldn't try to evaluate also ourselves because if this is something so fluid what's the point of you know trying to figure out if you are a smart person or not because this is so oversimplified and kind of pointless in a sense and so harmful i think we should just stop being insecure uh, about being stupid and i don't know if there is a person i come from a very academic background and i don't know a person who deep down doesn't think that oh my god Other people are so much smarter and I need to work my ass off because I don't get a concept this quickly. Because, you know, tests, whether that be academic ones or even like mystery puzzles, they evaluate a very specific type of intelligence, like I said. And the way they are performed creates a huge bias on how an average person can perform on them and the results that they can take. And this is like a comeback to why I think the standardized model of education sucks so much because not everyone is great or I would even say that it is rare to find a person who is great at thinking while reading a written text and sitting in a chair, being silent, having other people around, acting under time pressure or like simply being stressed. There are so many variables that influence us and we are just not great at combining all of those demands and meeting them and if you think about it it is so unfair that for a lot of people those kind of tests will define if they are able to you know earn a better income and provide for their family because it's not their fault and it doesn't mean that they're stupid or lacking certain abilities it means just that this model it does not consider the fact that they are very different types of people in the world and that not everyone has the same access to education and support and privilege that can allow them to even you know practice um, at meeting those demands and something that I've been personally very insecure about in the past was time and like how much of a fast thinking plays a role in it and I don't now when I'm thinking about it why is time and being able to 
understand something very quickly why is that playing such a big role in what we think that intelligence is because if you think about it this is such bullshit if it takes you a week to learn a set of spanish terms for example while it took someone else i don't know three days it doesn't mean you are anyhow inferior to them or lack some kind of abilities you were born with a unique set of genes which defined your abilities and the way you live your life now also has an impact on what you're best at everyone is different in this area and everyone can excel at a different type of intelligence and since it is such a complex phenomenon we we shouldn't evaluate one another just based on one of those traits and also how quickly we can excel this episode has been a bit of a rant and um This is a topic that is very close to my heart and it kind of is part three to the education and learning series that I accidentally actually made on the podcast because I just realized that there's such a big power to education and learning and the problems that we have with it, no matter your age, are ones that actually we do not have control over and actually that someone else has put on our path and whether that be the education system or how we are conditioned to compare ourselves and it kind of became this race this rat race to get this arbitrary number and no one really cares about what you actually learn i'm just so frustrated with all of it and education has made my life so much better and has made me appreciate life and the universe so deeply And I just want to share that with all of you. So if you agree or disagree with anything that I said today, hit me up on Instagram or at podcast.beingbetter at gmail.com. You can find all of the links in the episode description. You can find the resources that I used for this episode also there. You can find more information about the show at beingbetter.info. And I am just looking forward to hearing from you and what you think about this. When it comes to my recommendation of the week, I've been recently reading The House in the Cerulean Sea, which is a very lovely and heartwarming book about a group of magical children that are living in an orphanage, which is right is separated from the society and the society has a lot of um, prejudice and stereotype towards magical people. And anyway, it is kind of like Harry Potter something um, but also touches on very current issues such as race and gender and discrimination and it is presented in a very lovely way this discussion I mean and and I really really encourage anyone who just wants an easy read um, but also wants to dwell on these topics um it's a very good book it's very easy and very engaging it has very high rates on goodreads which um for some it might be a good predictor of how you will enjoy it for some not with that being said it is objectively well written and and i really really enjoyed it so if you are looking for an easy read and think about those social issues then pick up the house in the cerulean sea by tj clune and thank you so much for listening to this episode i hope that you enjoyed it and that the rest of your week will be marvelous please 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 take care of yourself if you can of someone else too and i will speak to you in the next episode being better is edited and produced by julia spore 
You can learn more about the show and about other work over at our website, beingbetter.info. And the Instagram is at beingbetter.pod. If you want to support us, the best way to do that is by word of mouth. So if you can, please tell your family, your friends, and what the hell, also tell your enemies. You know, we don't discriminate on this podcast. So tell them about the show, tell them about why you like it and about why you like the incredibly amazing and very humble host. You can also share it on social media platforms and if you tag us, we'll make sure to reply. Thank you so much for joining us today and I'll speak to you very, very soon.